0: Good morning, Chapel of Richmond, Scott's Edition. Of the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail, we love you. Thank you so much. Well, we're in a series on prayer, and I'll tell you about that in just a second. But I always love to start off looking in the camera and saying good morning to the chapel, Scott's Edition. I know we had an amazing 9 a.m. prayer yesterday in person. We'll do that every Saturday in both locations. And love what God's doing in the city in Scott's Edition. And then we love our uh, family, church family in the jail, Chesterfield County Jail. We love you guys and girls still uh, in kind of the afterglow of hanging out with you all a couple weeks ago in person. But we love you. You're not a project to us. You're our people. And so we're glad you're here. And then I want to look in the back of the room at Chapel in the Lobby. That's another campus. Come on, give it up for Chapel in the Lobby. Come on, Chapel in the Lobby. And uh, I'll tell you about that. Oh man, you're you're, okay. I'm good at this, so go ahead. So, so there's a secret. One just because one finger advances at two fingers. Isn't that fun? Okay, so just so you know, uh, but um, uh, I want to just uh, give you a quick update, because uh, we did a missions focus in the month of December, and uh, in the month, I know you're all like that many slides, I can't even believe what happened, but don't worry, <laughs> move through them, good, you know. Uh, but um, December we did this missions push where we tried to raise a hundred thousand dollars for uh, Chesapeake County Jail and Chapel and Espanol, and then a hundred and fifty thousand towards our building expansion. And we waited for a little bit of the dust to settle and some last gifts coming in. So a hundred thousand, uh, 150000 hundred fifty was the goal for the building, and you gave just in the month of December I think a hundred and eighty thousand to the building, and then a um, hundred thousand was the goal for for missions, World Missions and and local missions, and you gave a dollars 75,000 in the month of December, so thank you for your generosity, and and in fact, fact, some of you uh, who made a commitment to NEXT, that's our expansion, Uh, the reason we need this expansion is because people are sitting in the lobby, and they can't turn into the lot, and and, and, uh, how many know there are some churches that build a building because they want to, and then there's some churches that build a building because they have to, right? In fact, I told my wife a couple years ago, I said, we should build a building, and she told me to wait, and so that's why we're in the mess we're in. (laughs) It's actually just the opposite. I didn't have enough faith quick enough and... The team was saying, Well, whatever, but uh, um, but uh, just let you know we'll come into uh, to to the one year point in eight in March and April. We'll let you know we'll be at the halfway point and share some updates. And then some of you are going to get a little card from me, email if you want to be a part of that. You you can reach out to us. But some of you that made commitments to that, we'll give you some updates at a dinner. And we're rolling out so an incredible God story, so we can't wait to be together. And somebody was coaching me the other day. They said the second year of moving into a uh, building expansion churches. Lose momentum, and I said the chapel won't lose momentum. Come on, our people are the best people in the world, and we're committed to what God wants to do. And so, uh, in fact, I want to just tell you it's fun. We, we on our um, website, we we just adjusted from one physical campus to to or from two physical campuses to three. We added Chapel Espanol, and here is the picture of Chapel Espanol last week. And so, um, so. If you ever want to go there on a Sunday, if you speak Spanish, that's great. I don't, but I mean, I speak a little, uh, but, but not much. And, uh, but I just, man, I'm there, the worship, the spirit of it. I think everybody in the chapel should visit Chapel in Espanol once this year, okay? So address, times, all that is on our website. And if you know someone who's Spanish speaking who wants a great local church, uh, you want to be a part of that. So thankful. Aren't you just thankful what the Lord is doing? Only God, only God, only God. And in fact, we're in this series on prayer, and I, this quote has been kind of wrecking me, that is, there's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer, and so so we just, in prayer, I mean, look, this last week, incredible participation in prayer, you've never been a part of that, you can jump in online or in person every day, 7 a.m. in Midlothian, online, 9 a.m. Saturdays, and it's just incredible, I'm overwhelmed, I've prayed for 120 people to show up every morning in prayer, because that's what the book of Acts had, and you all beat the Book of Acts, so we'll take it. Uh, but uh, how many know there's something about a church that calls on the name of the Lord? And uh, I'm not trying to be doomsday, but when we look at the world, and look at our culture, and look at the brokenness of our of our world, and look at wars and tr- trauma around the world, and 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 lack of truth in our how many know we need to be a people that pray for our city and pray for our nation, pray for our country and we're doing that well god put a a kind of a burden on my heart today to uh to share a message and it actually reminded me of the the experience of um of katie giving birth to our first of four kids hallie and people always say that that childbirth is this beautiful experience and I, i think the child is but i'm not so sure about the other parts of it and uh i'll never forget in fact just this is for free um we had four. Two, two of them katie uh had no epidural and two she had an epidural and i know natural was the thing she wanted to do that and i was there for all four and i saw the difference between an epidural and a non-epidural so i'm going to give you my non-medical advice you ought to spring for that epidural because <laughs> that was awesome and uh, but on the first one, she, she had to be tough and, and not have one. And uh, so she's, <laughs> we're like 11 hours in, not we, we she, and, uh, <laughs> and she finally turns to me and she says, I can't do it. And so Dr. Miller was her, our doctor. And I turned to Dr. Miller and I said to her, I said, Dr. Miller, she can't do it. So we're gonna to have to do something else. Like she can't do it. She's, and she can't do it. And and Dr. Miller said, Well, we're past the point of doing something else. It's, you know, there's a time you can do something else, and then you go past the train. You know, starts. You know how it works. And she said, We don't have a choice. And I said, Well, I don't think she can do it. This, this is a good husband to have in the room, right? She's saying she can't do it. I'm looking at her. I don't think she can do it. I know I can't do it. I don't even want to be here anymore. They said this was going to be great, and I need therapy. And <laughs> Dr. Miller, I'll never forget this moment. She said, "Look at me," to Katie. And I was like, "Whoa, you're yelling!" She's like, "I want you to put your jaw, to bear it down in your sternum, and every whatever you're going to put, and you you don't have a choice. You can't turn back. There's no. You are getting this." And it just was like a football huddle. Okay. And all I know is a few minutes later, Hallie was born, beautiful baby, Uh, uh, her head was chasing away from her face. But other than that, (laughs) everything was amazing. And God sort of sent me here this week, I felt like, like Dr. Miller to just kind of look in your face and say, some of you have been through some pain, but look at me. You say, I can't do it. God doesn't have better for me this year. Uh, 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 look at me. I want you to put your jaw into your sternum. I want you to, not, but you get what I'm saying, right? I want you to believe that there is a God who does good things, right? And, uh, so I want to talk to you this weekend about what do you do if you walk through pain and What do you do if you walk through hurt? What do you do the last few years, been some disappointments and some obstacles? How do you handle those? How do you work them through? And how do you not, I felt like God put on my heart to not take yesterday's hurts into tomorrow's and to today and tomorrow's future. And I had this picture of some people, if we're not careful, taking all the disappointments of of 21, 22, and, and just dumping them into this year and getting into the habit of believing that it has to be that way and then we experience two disappointments not only the disappointment of the hurt of our past but we we experience the disappointment of rehearsing and regurgitating and reviewing and 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 meditating upon our hurt so we're almost hurt twice once by the disappointment of the past and regularly by our pain and I felt like Paul's words Philippians 3 but this one thing I do forgetting what is behind I press on to take hold of what God has for me and so I want to as best I can today in the next few minutes talk to us about how do I leave my pain behind and how do I walk into what all God has for me? Okay, so nudge a person next to you and tell them to wake up, it's gonna be good. Come on, tell them that in the lobby. Come on, tell them, wake up, it's gonna be good. And I wanna do it from, um, I wanna share from maybe one of the most famous stories in Jesus' life. and In fact, it's included in three of the four gospels. It's a story of a woman who's been sick for 12 years and, and Jesus is in the middle. He's right on the edge of the Sea of Galilee in in a small town doing ministry and word has gotten out that jesus has power and so people big crowds of people are are huddled around him and and i want you to see this story mark five a large crowd followed and pressed around him we don't know how large the crowd was but probably well over a hundred people they're there and it could have been more than that because in his teaching and the feeding of the 5,000, we know there could be thousands there. So we're not exactly sure, but but probably a large group, uh, Mark says, is there. And Jesus is teaching and, and ministering and helping people. And, and he's helping a whole crowd of people. And in the middle of that crowd is a woman who who had a physical condition. She was sick. And this was not a brand new sickness. She'd been sick for, for how long? Come on, somebody. For what? For... For twelve years, how many of you have a headache? That's bad. How many of you—it's twelve years. You you got a problem, right? She's been she's been twelve years. Imagine after twelve years, how this just became her expected reality. This just became the thing she woke up every day and thought, this is, this is just my story. I'm sick. I'm in the middle of this pain. But something's going to happen in this moment when she encounters Jesus that transforms her. And I want to encourage us all, you heard me say it, not to take last year's pain and drag it into this year, right? In fact, this woman had three sources of pain. If you think about it, she had a physical sickness, so she knew she knew physical pain. Okay, so all of us know this. Where are the people you hate to go to the dentist? Come on, somebody. Somebody told me they were afraid of Novocaine, so they don't use Novocaine. I said, well, I'm kind of afraid of it too, but I'm more afraid of not having Novocaine. C.S. Lewis said the greatest invention in the history of humanity is literally anesthesia. Can anybody say amen? amen? You ever watch an old movie where they're just like, take a sip and hold them down, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, this woman has experienced physical pain for 12 years, and she's, she's worn down by it. Not only does she have physical pain, we all can relate to this, she has relational pain. You see, in the Bible, there were certain kind of sicknesses. That the Levitical law at the time made you isolate yourself from other people. Let me show you what the Bible says. As long as somebody like her would have this disease, they, were, they had a stigma of being called unclean, and they had to live alone outside of town, outside of the camp. So I want you to think, not only does she have physical pain, she has the relational pain of being isolated from other people, from being being pushed aside, being marginalized. How many know being alone is hard, right? And she knew what it was like for 12 years to not be allowed to join the group and get invited to the party. She wasn't a part of the community. She would have had to, wherever she goes, live in isolation and relational uh, separation from those around her. And she knew what it was like to not only have physical pain, but imagine this one, relational pain. Heard a story I told you last week. I went to seminary in Alabama of a guy, uh, a lady who went to church one Sunday in Alabama. And the usher said to her, where do you want to sit? as She walked in the back of the sanctuary. And she said, I want to sit in the front row. And he said, oh, you don't want to sit in the front row. Our pastor is very boring. You don't want to sit in the front row. You'll fall asleep in the front row and, and you'll feel embarrassed and, and And she said, do you know who I am? And he said, no. She said, I'm the pastor's mother. How dare you say that? And he said to her, do you know who I am? She said, no. He said, good, and walked away. I know, listen, I love everybody. I love online church. If you're in Florida today, we forgive you. But how many know there's nothing like being with people in the room? Come on, somebody, being with people in the room. This woman knew what it was like to be isolated, to be a relational fragment, to be alone on her. See, not only is sick, but this sickness makes her in isolation, makes her live outside the camp. Here she is, not only experiencing 12 years of physically not feeling well, but relationally she's she's drawn apart. That's why you hear our team over the next couple weeks talk. About small groups, the next three Sundays, right after the 11:15 service at 12:30, we do this quick uh, one. You can make any of those weeks. We do small uh, group leader training because we are committed to connecting as many of us as possible into small groups because we need one another. How many know we need one another? Right? You need to be known by somebody. You need to know somebody. And this woman knew not only physical pain and and not only relational pain, but I want you to see this the Bible tells us that she had sought out many doctors and look at her financial pain she had spent what all she had yet instead of getting better she grew what she grew she grew worse so she had physical pain and she had uh, had emotional pain she had relational pain she had she had I want you to see this she had financial pain right? In fact, scholars tell us that there were many people in the ancient world, they were scammers. They would say, oh, I can heal and cure your disease if you pay me a certain amount of money. And she chased everywhere she could to find somebody that could help her and and, and cure her. And she literally, the Bible says she spent everything she had and, and it just made her worse. But I have great news this weekend. When we get to the end of everything we can do, we're in the perfect spot for God to do what only he can do. Once she exhausted all of, her own, uh, all of her own ability to change herself, I want you to see what happened to her. She literally said, I've done all I can. I've spent everything. But then she, I love this words, when she heard about who? Come on. When she heard about Jesus. I want you to know this as a church, we believe counseling and community and coaching and all that kind of stuff. But there's something about Jesus <laughs> Listen, we're, we're going to encourage you to, to, to seek all the resources you can. But has anybody heard about Jesus? Right? Like, how many know he can do in a moment what can take us forever to accomplish? And literally, the Bible says when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. And she reached out and grabbed a hold of his coat because she literally thought, if I do, just can, if I can just grab a hold of his clothes... I can be healed. And the Bible literally says immediately her bleeding stopped. She felt that she was freed from suffering. And at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? This woman had the persistent faith to pursue Jesus. And when she does, she touches him. Jesus asks, who touched me? Now, question for you, Bible question. Did Jesus know who touched him? Yes, we could change the sermon if we don't know this. How many know Jesus knows everything? Jesus knows, the Bible says, hair on our heads numbered, uh, birds of the sky, not one falls down without him noticing. How many know Jesus knows everything? Okay, so Jesus knows everything. But, But he asks, who touched me? Because in the Bible, when Jesus asks a question, it isn't for his sake, it's for our sake. In fact, you remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? They went and hid, and God comes and says, Adam, where are you? How many knew he knew where Adam was? He needed Adam to know where Adam was. I'm hiding. Okay, you know what I mean? Every once in a while, i ask my kids, did you clean your room? Come on, somebody, I know the answer. I just want them to answer. No, not yet. I'm working on it. I was just about to. My timing's amazing. Who touched me? Who touched me. Here's what he was trying to do. He was getting her to speak out loud. And what I love about this woman is she risked everything she had in the middle. She said, I don't care who's sitting on the right or left of me at church. I need to meet with Jesus. And she was willing to risk societal being ostracized, pushed aside, breaking against societal norms. She said, if I can just get to Jesus, she had literally a determination in her faith, a persistence in her faith to get, how many know we need a determination in our faith, right? To, to, See what God can do in our life. She said, "I don't even care what's said about me, I don't care what the crowd says. I don't care what the religious leaders say. I know in my heart if I can just get to Jesus, everything can change." And she had a kind of a one heart, a focus. She wasn't She was going to go after God. In fact, that's why we do this 21 days of prayer at the start of the year, because we know we're too busy. Our lives are too crowded. In fact, in 1950, there was a study done that said with all the invention of technology, by the year 2000, the average American would only work 20 hours a week. How many know uh, technology's great, but in some ways it just complicates our life, doesn't it? Come on. In fact, I remember my first really tech thing. If you're under 20, you, you don't know nothing about this, but when I was a teenager, I remember the first time I worked for my dad, I got a beeper. Come on, where are my beeper people at? I had a beeper. Oh, sorry, somebody beeping me. Beeper. How many know what I'm talking? Beeper. Man, I would just wear that on my belt. I would hold. I don't want everyone to see it. It's, it's nothing. It's my beeper. I get beeped by whom? Most of my dad, you know. Now we got cell phones and second cell phones and emails and iCloud. Come on, I got iCloud with kids, and then they put their iCloud on my computer, and my computer gets conv- confused with their cell phone. and uh, iCloud's like a whole thing. I don't even understand it. We need to have a small group on iCloud. And... Uh and in the middle of having all this technology to make our lives uh, more connected, how many know it just makes us busier? In fact, that's what 21 Days of Prayer is to challenge us to say, is it possible our lives are so full of small things that there's no room for a great God, right? In fact, Nate this week in one of his devotionals, such a good word, he talked about being willing to clean some stuff out and, and get rid of some clutter. Where are the people who love to throw stuff out? Come on, raise your hand. All right, where are the people you love to save stuff? Come on, we're gonna pray for you after. I can't, I can't do it, you know? And there's just a sense of like, God, are there some things that are cluttering up my soul that need to go? This woman, I want you to see this. She knew she had problems. She knew she didn't have money. She knew she shouldn't have been there societally. She knew she was working against the religious norms and taboos of the day, but she knew this. If she could just get in the presence of Jesus, she had heard something about him that things happened to change in his presence, right? And she literally, literally, look at what she says. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him. She touched him because she thought, I love this word. She thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Look how the ESV version translates this verse. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. Who did she say this to? Herself. In fact, if you read the Greek, I read the Greek in this um, in this verse. Here's literally how the words "for she said" could be translated: "For she kept saying to herself." Isn't that good? As she's, I want you to think of this. She's walking towards a crowd, and there's no way she's going to get to Jesus. But there's just one thing running on repeat in her mind. She kept saying to herself, "If I can just get." to Jesus, everything can change. How many know sometimes you got to tell yourself and then tell yourself again, it's a repeat. It's why the Bible says to not only read scripture, but memorize, memorize it and meditate on it day and night for them will be like a tree planted by streams of water. There's something about renewing our minds. She kept not only thinking it, but she kept saying it. If I can just, if I could just get to Jesus, I know this would change. If I can just get to Jesus, I know this would be turned around. If I can just get to Jesus, I know this would be different. And in the middle of all of that, she kept pressing forward. She reaches out and she touches him. And it's amazing what happens. Jesus realizes that power has gone out from him. And he turns around and asks, who touched my clothes? And here's what happens. The power of God went out of him into, into her life. And his disciples asked him, well, how could you say who touched? Like, what do you mean? But here's what this woman knew. If she could touch Jesus, Jesus' power could change her. Here's what prayer is. It's resting in God's power and not our own. How many know resting in God's power and not our own? How many know resting in God's power and not our How many know you're not strong enough, smart enough, uh, skilled enough to do what God has put on your heart for, right? In fact, I, I watch every day as people pick up these prayer cards and they're praying for things and it's like these are these are gifted people and yet they know there are some things I'm asking God to do that only God can do. And this woman says, I understand that something can be transformed and the power goes from Jesus into this woman and transforms her. Now I want to show you something because it's amazing. The, the miracle right before this sets up this miracle. So no one sometimes we don't refer to this, but right. I want to show you where Jesus was heading when this woman reaches out and grabs onto him because it gives context to it. So the verses right before this says that one of the synagogue leaders, come on, somebody say important. Okay, come on. So I'm going to say synagogue leaders. You say important. Okay. Ready? You know what we're doing? Synagogue leaders important. Then one of the synagogue leaders. Okay. Is this important guy he's, he's sophisticated. He's, he's known, he's got prominence. One of the sophisticated, you know what I mean? Um, I'll never forget this. I don't know why this hit my mind. We were in Bible college. We got to take this famous preacher to dinner. His name was David Wilkerson. Some of you know him, man. One of my friends was his, was his like hero, David Wilkerson. We we're at this fancy restaurant with him. And this guy ordered the chicken souffle because he didn't know it was souffle whatever and so come on these are souffle you know what i mean this this synagogue leader okay then one of the synagogue leader i won't try that again that didn't work here we go when of synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying please come, And he, so here's the point a man of standing, a man who had influence, a man who had power a man who was recognized in the community his little daughter was sick and asked for Jesus to come, so Jesus is coming, and this man has standing, and you could read that verse and think, well maybe that's how the rules of Jesus work, when you're important, Jesus does what you want but it's incredible look at, look at what Jairus says, come and heal." My what, my little what? Daughter, I want you to see the same language here. Jesus says, Who touched me? later on. And the woman says, She knows what's happened. She comes at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And look what Jesus calls her. Come on, somebody. He calls her what? Here's what the gospel writer wants us to see there is a man named Jairus, who's a synagogue leader who has influence, and his daughter is sick. And his daughter has an earthly father who's a champion with influence. to to give her attention. And there is another woman who does not have earthly, an earthly influential father. And surely Jesus won't give this woman the same amount of time as this woman. And what Jesus does, he says, stops in the middle of it. He says, I know Jairus' daughter has a champion for her named Jairus, a father. And he, he calls her his daughter. I'm going to pause right here in the middle of this. I don't just help the people who are up there. I help the people who are down here and everybody in between. How many know Jesus cares about every single person? He says, she, he says she has a champion. I'm standing before you to be your champion. I love that, that he just literally, he doesn't ostracize her, that he literally, as he's on his way to heal a woman, a little girl whose dad has influence, he pauses and he says, you have influence. Woman, I know the whole society for 12 years has left you outside the camp, and you don't have a name, and you don't have a reputation, and nobody's looked in your eyes. He pauses in that moment. The reason he says, who touched me, is because he wants to be able to look in her eyes and call her daughter. Anybody thankful today that God is a God who loves all people, Right? grace for all people, kindness for all people. And in his generosity, he shows himself personally caring for her. And he says, daughter, your faith is healed Do you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I want you to see this. Jesus not only has power, he has a personal touch. And maybe you just write this down this weekend, that, that we have a God who is more powerful and more personal than we can imagine. How many know it's one thing to have power but not care, what good is that? But it's another thing to care. But if you don't have power, what good is that? How good is it that our God has not only the power but the loving grace to care for us in our brokenness? Right, a God who loves and a God who cares. So Friday night, um, Katie and I were out with two of our kids for dinner, and uh, we got a um, a gift card, and I don't somebody give me a gift card. So we're at dinner. And have you ever had a gift card where the tip almost covers, you have a little extra on the gift card, you know? And my wife was signing it, and so there would have been like $12 extra on the gift card if she left the appropriate, like 20% tip. But she decided, I noticed she wrote the whole gift card on the, the whole tip on the gift card, so it was like an extra $12. And I said, why did you do that? And she said, well, there would only been like $12 or $13 left on the gift card. And I said, well, that was $12 or $13. You know, why did you have to give the whole amount on the thing? And she said, well, it's just a gift card, be generous. And I said, well, I'm already being generous because someone gave me this gift card. You all are here. This is just my gift card. Like, I could have gone out three times, four times on my own. All week, I could have just come here on my own. I brought the rest of you. And now you're giving away my extra gift card money. And the kids are watching me, and the kids are like, well, I think it's great that mom gave the server the money. And I'm like, great. So now I don't love people. I don't... <laughs> I'm selfish. And so as we're driving out of the, <laughs> the driveway, my daughter says, I want Gelati Celeste. And now I'm thinking, okay, well, you already gave my gift card. Now you want $30 ice cream, because you ever been to Gelati Celeste? You need a small loan, and... Uh, <laughs> So we sent my youngest two into Giladis. We said, we don't we need don't anything. I sent them in with my credit card. And somebody in our church was right in line in front of them, apparently. Because they came out jumping. And I said, we got ice cream. You happy? They said, no, it's not that. Someone from the church just paid for our ice cream. And my son said, hey, dad. Do you think it's possible that just because a few minutes ago. <laughs> Mom was generous with the server that God saw it and God put us in line for somebody else to pay our ice cream. And then he says "And the ice cream was more than $12. (laughs) And then my daughter's like, yeah, so I guess it's true. God gave more back to you than he took away from you. And I said, I don't need this. (laughs) I'm just here to tell you that we serve a God who's powerful and who's personal. Somebody in our church looked at two little kids And they didn't pay for anyone. They paid for people that they recognized their little faces. Come on. These greedy little kids. And I'm here to tell you, God knows your face. God knows your name. God knows where you're at. He he was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. And that would have made sense. But somebody could have thought, of course he does that for him. But no, no, no. In the middle of that, he pauses to meet a nobody who for 12 years had been stuck into this. And then he uses the same language. He says, you know how Jairus called his daughter, my little daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. I'm so glad we've got a God who's not only powerful but he's personal and he cares for us And so when we pray, we not only pray to a God who loves us and personally cares for us, we pray for a God who has the power to cover the tab, right? And to care for us in all of our brokenness. And I just had this thought, Chapel, that some of us today, before we walked out of Scott's edition or stood up from where we are in our worship space and went back to our cell in the jail or left our seats, I had a picture of some of us saying, I'm not bringing this pain into this next year may have been 12 years for this woman, but one touch from Jesus, let her lay it down. And I'm gonna lay it down. And I'm gonna believe God for 2023 for him to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think or imagine. Would you bow with me all over this room? And in the lobby, would you bow, bow with me? Scott's edition in the jail. And you're here today in just a second. I'm gonna close this in prayer. But you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure I have a relationship with Jesus. You know what Jesus did with this woman? He gave her the gift of being his daughter. The Bible says that's what God has come to do through Jesus to call us his sons and his daughters through Jesus Christ, adopted into his family. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can today. I'd love to just pray for you. I won't embarrass you, I won't make you get out of your seat, anything like that. But I wonder if you'd just have the courage, right where you're seated, to say, Pastor. At the start of this year, I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you've never walked with him. Today you say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe you've wandered away. And today's a day for you to come back to your relationship with God. Nobody's looking around. Our heads are bowed. Believers praying all over the room. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Would you pray for me today? I want to surrender my life to Jesus. If you just lift your hand up and put it right back down, I won't embarrass you, but I'll pray for you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Are there others? Yes, sir, thank you. Yes, yes. Are there others? Yep, thank you. Yeah, yep. Anybody else, just pray for me, pastor. Yes, ma'am, I see that in the back. Anybody else, pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Just lift your hand up and put it right back down. By lifting it up, you're saying, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. One more time. Anybody, just yes, sir, thank you. Anybody else, pastor, pray for me? I'm not sure where I'm at. Yes, young lady, thank you. Yes, sir, thank you. Right where you're seated, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. In fact, we're gonna all pray it out loud together. Scott's edition in the jail here in Midlothian in the lobby so that no one has to feel singled out. But We'll all pray it out loud together. And if it's a prayer you meet in your heart, God will hear you. Come on, let's pray it after me, would you? Lord Jesus. I surrender my life to you today. I believe you sent your son to die on a cross and on the third day to rise again to give me a new start. So I give my life to you. I'm not holding back. Would you come into my life? Would you take away my sin? Would you give me a new start? Would you forgive me? Today I make you the Lord and the treasure of my life. And I promise by your grace to serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Today I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, we want to say welcome to the family of God. We're so proud of you. So thankful what God's doing in your life. In fact, if you got a worship guide in there as a little connect card, you can say I committed my life or recommitted my life or swing by next step. You we won't stalk you. We just want to send you an email and help you grow in your faith and grow in all God has for you. Well, Chapel, I love you. I think about you every day, every day this week, 7 a.m. Praying for you, praying for what God has your life. In fact, I'd love to send you out with just a prayer of blessing at both campuses. Let's stand all over these rooms and let's stand in the lobby. If you're comfortable, just hold your hands like this. I'd love to give you a blessing. So I pray chapel that as you go, that God would go with you. I pray he'd go ahead of you. I pray he'd lead you this week. I pray he'd give you his grace and his mercy. Would he make his face shine upon you? Let his countenance be upon you and give you peace. we pray it in the strong name of jesus christ and everybody said amen Amen. have an amazing week we got some prayer team down front if you want some prayer god bless you see you either next sunday or tomorrow morning 7 a.m prayer god bless you we love you